and six always. That's that, that's for the culture. Welcome back, y'all. This is the Bucks and Six podcast. I am your host, Danilo Jose de Hoya, and welcome to the third issue. It's been a crazy ride so far. It's going to get even crazier, hopefully. Anyways, like I said last week, we're going to start this sort of mini series. I'm titling it They Got Next. Uh, so we'll go into that later on, what that whole thing means. But basically, what we're going to do is just look at every team and just think about you know who's gone next who's that next guy that's gonna that's gonna step up who's that next guy that's gonna show he's worth like a max contract or even just a contract in general but before we get into all that you guys know how we start off every podcast with the take of the day so in this take of the day Kobe White will win six man of the year the way that the Chicago Bulls are structured right now well first of all they had one of the best, if not the best off-seasons, I think, just from how drastically different their team is perceived now. Because, in my opinion, I don't want to say they're locked just so I don't jinx them, but I would be very surprised if they're not in the playoff picture because I definitely think they will be. But anyways, with the way the team's constructed right now, I don't think Kobe White's going to start. However, I don't think that undermines that he's not a crazy basketball player because he's got the mold of a bucket getter. Big guard, I believe he's 6'5", averaged about 15, 4, and 5 last year, which I think considering he is still kind of getting into the groove of things in the league, that being his second year, pretty nice. You know, you'll never be mad that a guy's averaging those kinds of numbers. However, the main thing with this take is that I think it's all contingent on him buying into the role. I understand if he would want to be traded, especially if he doesn't get a starting spot, because I think how Kobe White is right now could definitely be a starter on a different team. Not necessarily a starter on, I think, a playoff or a contending team. However, if you're one of those teams that are maybe you had a recent run of success, but now your veterans are getting old or just overall you're going through a stage of a rebuild, Kobe White could be your guy. If I were to give him a destination, however, you know, perhaps we're looking at uh, the Mike Conley replacement, but you never know. Regardless, I think he has the chance to be a top tier six man in the league. But overall, I think it's just an extreme luxury that the Bulls have being that he was still like a top 10 pick. He was seventh. Either way, if Kobe White were to stay with the Bulls, fingers crossed he does. I would definitely pencil him in as the six man of the year award favorite. Guaranteed! So, like I said earlier, the title of this issue is called They Got Next. And what we're going to do in it is, again, go through every team. For this issue, we're going to focus strictly on the Central Division because that is Milwaukee's division. Always got to go show love to my bucks. But here's the criteria we're going to go through. So again, we're going to go through each and every team in the league. I don't know what order we're going to go in yet. However, again, we're starting with the Central Division. So we're going to go through their core. You know, who are the guys that their team is sort of built around? Who's going to pop off? You know, who's going to be that guy that's going to jump a few levels into another echelon of the NBA? Who's going to slump? Are these guys who are coming off of really good years or have been really good for a while and maybe they'll begin to, you know, because Father Time's undefeated, start to hit that regression. Hopefully not, though, but no one's exempt from this list. Unless, unless you're a god-tier player. But anyways, aside from that, we're going to also look at players who could potentially be on the trading block. Guys that could be moved. With that, we're going to look at why they should be traded and what the team should look for in return. Now, back to the beginning of this, the core. So you're going to think, what makes someone part of their core? 
And what I really thought of it was, this is the player you instantly think of when you hear their name. Like, for example, Bucks, Giannis. Chicago, Zach Levine. Lakers, every all-star from the 2012 Western Conference. <laughs> Sorry, that was a really bad joke. But either way, these are the players you instantly think of when you hear their name, as well as these are the guys who are constantly making a positive impact. For example, Marcus Smart. Guy's not putting up 20 a game, however... He is in that upper echelon, you know, that top tier. I put a right, you know, not as good as Drew Holiday as a perimeter defender, but he's like, he's on his heels, I feel, because Marcus Smart is, he's a dog, and I love that. Now, that also leads into what is, uh, for lack of a better term, popping off. So what that is, is I thought of it as, that's taking that next step, you know. I think we constantly think of popping off as, Oh, this guy propelled himself into MVP conversation. This guy propelled himself into all-star conversations. But I don't think we should necessarily have that be the baseline of it. I think the main thing would be that these guys are primarily solidifying themselves as a go-to guy down the stretch. Some fate of the universe, the aliens got the death bean on my head type beat. You know, the guys that if they start off the night like pretty shaky, they're not going to lose their confidence. These are the guys that are going to constantly push through and get to that next gear that allows for both longevity in the league as well as popping off. Now, right before we get into everything, we just got to look at the ideas of the trades. So for these ones, I'm not too, too focused on realism. The thing I'm mainly looking at is fit relatively. However, I'm not saying that, oh, the Lakers are going to trade LeBron to get younger. No, nothing like that. So... When I say realism, I mean mainly like guys that either sign new contracts, but they'll still have to go through that waiting period. So we're not going to look strictly at trades that'll happen before the season actually starts. We're going to look at guys who are potentially going to wait till around the deadline, whether they're, you know, a veteran on a young team looking to go to a contender or just guys in general where them being traded at the beginning of the season doesn't make any sense and they'll happen throughout. But with that, let's get right into it. All right, so first team we're going to talk about, super, super surprising, but it's the Milwaukee Bucks. So our core as it is right now, I would consider to be Giannis, Cash Money, and Drew Holiday. Those are the three guys that this team is built around and the three guys that in order to succeed, they have to succeed for the most part. However, I would say our roster is still pretty deep. And the person I believe is going to pop off is Dante DiVincenzo. I think with Dante DiVincenzo, he's going to play with a big chip on his shoulder considering the fact that uh, the Milwaukee Bucks are coming off a championship. However, Dante obviously got hurt in that first round. And I just think that the player that Dante is, obviously I would be disappointed too. At the parade, I could see like a little hesitance. Or what I thought was like a little hesitance with the trophy just because obviously to say he wasn't part of them winning it is completely dumb. However, if you're the person directly in that situation, I would understand why you feel like you're a little undeserving. So with that, I think Dante's going to use that as fuel for the season in order to really pop off. I think with Drew Holiday, I'm hoping that he's sort of mentoring him if he's not already just because Dante DiVincenzo super super good defender i think he's an ideal 3 and d guard in the bucks lineup can shoot the ball can defend like crazy and has decent size and is all all around like a pretty good rebounder for his size i think he's what six four and he's still grabbing some nice boards out there person i think is gonna slump brooke lopez i think with him coming into his age 33 season that regression is right there 
However, if you were to look at this a few years ago before Brook Lopez developed the jumper, I think he would have already sort of plummeted just because, see, with the way Brook played, it was very physical, very, I'm not like very in the paint, very directly involved with banging around, something that can lead to regression happening faster rather than someone who's, say, constantly camping out on the perimeter. And I think. With Brooke adding the three ball to his game, it would really contribute to him being able to have a longer career. Hopefully he doesn't. Fingers crossed I'm wrong about this, but if there were to be anyone that were to, it'd be Brooke. Potential trade person. Uh, obviously, I don't think he's being traded right now just because it's a recently traded or recently acquired acquisition, but Semi Ojale. Uh, I like his game from what I was able to see. However, again, I think a big thing I like about this team is that a lot of our bench players have the ability to not just catch and shoot, but to get the ball off the dribble, make something else happen. Us obviously having good three-point shooting is obviously a really big need. However, I think allowing that to really be our only counter against the wall, against the Giannis wall and him kicking it out to someone could be really easy to pick up on. So with someone like Semi, he's very much a catching shooter, plays good defense, which I love, but I think someone like, say, a Grayson Allen or a Rodney Hood, you know, those guys who can shoot the ball effectively, but can also do more with it, whether it be driving it out, dribbling to get a better shot. I prefer those guys over Semi. However, we'll see what happens. Again, I like Semi Ojale, and I'm excited for him to be a buck. All right, and we got the Indiana Pacers now. Their core, they have a pretty big core in my opinion. I consider the core to be obviously Sabonis, Brogdon, Karras, TJ McConnell, and Miles Turner. That TJ McConnell one's really weird, I know, but the man had a triple-double in steals, which is crazy because the league record is 11, so he's one off of, like, tying it, or he was, but either way, he's that guard that you need on your team, you know, he's the guy that is going to hustle every play, like 110% every time he's out there, but either way. Their person to pop off, I would consider it to be Karis Levert slash, this one's like a little bit of a bias pick, but O'Shea Brissett. Uh, Karis Levert is obviously, he was that guy that could have been that third option. However, obviously I take Harden over him now, but I think Karis Levert is really gonna grow into his own this season, considering that I think he had like some health problem that kept him out for a while, whether like blood clots or something. I could be wrong, but either way, Karis Levert, I think, is going to pop off easy 20-plus point-per-game score. And I think, like, his ceiling could honestly potentially sneak into the All-Stars if, if he's, like, playing insane. I'm not saying that's a lock, but I think that's his ceiling. And then with O'Shea Brissett, I think with COVID as well as a few injuries here and there, he got a lot of good runs in and I think he'll be able to build off of that this season just because he is coming in with that extra chip on his shoulder considering he wasn't very highly touted coming out of college. So him being Canadian as well, I'm very much cheering for him and hoping he has a good season. All right, the slumper this year. Uh, I picked TJ Warren. He's coming off a season-ending injury and even now he's still without a timetable. And I think when he comes back, I don't know what Pacers fans are thinking, but I think some people are thinking they're going to get bubble TJ Warren back. I just don't think that's going to happen just because a lot of NBA players saw the bubble as way easier than, say, playing at an away game just because you're on neutral territory. Not to say TJ Warren can't get over that. However, I would say when he does come back to see him averaging the numbers he did in the bubble, I would say is unlikely. Potential trade piece. This one's going to be super controversial, but... 
I'm picking DeMontis Sabonis to be their potential trade piece. I think the Indiana Pacers have a lot of good pieces and they're just either one really big fish or a couple medium fish away from not being a necessarily a contender, but definitely being a force in the playoffs because, I mean, they're coming off a play-in game. They lost that. But I think they still have a chance to make the playoffs this season. And I think that would start potentially with trading DeMontis Sabonis. I know he's an all-star. However, I think with DeMontis Sabonis, he doesn't shoot that well from the three. Whereas most of their other starters, actually pretty much all their other starters, are very capable of shooting the three, especially Miles Turner. I know a lot of people at first were expecting Miles Turner to be the sort of trade guinea pig for the Indiana Pacers. However, I just think Miles Turner's ability to stretch out the floor and just him being able to be a big shot blocker and him being on a very like well-valued contract because he only gets paid 18 mil a year yet he plays good defense and is able to shoot the three. I'd take that man any day. But uh, if I were to trade Simonis, I would obviously want picks and, you know, some good depth players, guys who can shoot the shit out the rock, you know what I'm saying? Uh, if I were to pick a team, it's hard just because he is one of those more highly touted players. I think a team that could potentially use him. I was thinking the Charlotte Hornets, but when I was like tinkering around, I couldn't really figure out any of the trades just because of the money wouldn't match and stuff like that. But either way, I think if the Indiana Pacers were to trade anyone, it's going to be hard to pill to swallow. But DeMontis Sabonis, I just think uh, if you put it, he needs to be on a team where the offense is sort of flowing through him. Obviously, because his father was like crazy, crazy good big man who could like pass it as well. Giving Sabonis the ability to do that would be better. But I think with DeMontis Sabonis, he could still obviously develop a three ball. However, if the Indiana Pacers were to trade someone, honestly, I don't. I don't blame them if they don't go for a trade, but if they were to trade anyone on their team right now, I think it'd be DeMontis Sabonis. All right, this next team I think is a big, big, big team that upgraded throughout the offseason. Obviously, it's the Chicago Bulls. Their core is pretty big, I'd say. Obviously, they have Zach Levine, who I think is going to have a crazy season. DeMar DeRozan, Alonzo Ball, Nikola Vucevic, and I'd even throw Patrick Williams in their core as well. So... The player I think is going to have a really good season for him is Lonzo Ball. With Lonzo though, I need to explain what I mean by a good season. For Lonzo, I think the ideal season for him would be a, like a sort of Rajon Rondo kind of season where he's averaging 10 and 10. Just because I think with him, with Lonzo, he'll be able to not only like have a bunch of weapons to pass it off to, whether it be Zach Levine off the catch and shoot, DeMar in the mid-range, Nikola all over, Patrick Williams even. But I just think that Lonzo Ball is going to be able to operate to a capacity and with the level of weapons that he's never had before. And I just think that'll allow him to really take that next step into proving why he was the second pick. But Jason Tatum's still the best player from the draft. Anyways, the player I think is going to slump is DeMar DeRozan. I'm not saying that he's going to fall off a cliff. However, I think to say that DeMar DeRozan is going to average, you know, 25 points might be a bit of a stretch just because there's so much just because there's so many players that the rock has to go to obviously Zach Levine's still your main guy and DeMar DeRozan's gonna have to I think learn to facilitate more but with him being at his age he's obviously willing to do that we've seen in multiple interviews that right now he just cares about winning don't know if the Chicago Bulls are gonna be the team to do that with however I am very excited to see Chicago Bulls basketball this season and potential trade piece I know I said he's Almost a lock for sixth man of the year. That's still a bit of a stretch. However, Kobe White. I think Kobe White still has the ability to be a starting point guard in the league or just a guard overall. I like him better as a shooting guard, but he's just a really big luxury for the Chicago Bulls right now. 
you know, seventh round, not seventh round, seventh overall pick, averaged crazy numbers. I think it was like 15, four, and five off, not off decent splits as well. Still struggled a bit to the point where Tomas Sadoransky took his starting role. However, if I were in his shoes and I want to, you know, be as good as I can be, I know that being a sixth man, as good as the role that is, I might see myself in a in a higher in a high, at a higher level. So if I were Kobe White, I might potentially explore a trade. However, fingers crossed that doesn't happen just because I think he has a big opportunity to flourish off the bench there and just be Lou Williams but taller and can play at least some defense. I know that's not part of his game. That's like super central to it. But yeah, Kobe White. And if they were to trade him, I think they would just expect either another young player in return or potentially draft picks just because they did give up uh, quite a bit to get Nikola Vucevic. All right, next team up. They're very in a very weird position, but we got the Cleveland Cavaliers. They have a core of Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, Colin Sexton, and Darius Garland. The person I think will pop off, I believe, will be Colin Sexton or Darius Garland. I think with that, we'll get into it later, but I think the two of those guys are coming off really good seasons. So I think them just building on top of that, along with more and more players or more young players to sort of begin to build for the future will be really nice. Uh, Colin Sexton's obviously a demon with the ball. Darius Garland was playing for the U.S. select team, so I think him taking that experience of playing, you know, some of the international players, but just overall having that level of confidence to be like, whoa, you know, I'm not on the USA team, but, you know, I'm right on that, I'm right on the doorstep kind of thing. I think that will allow them to really just expand their game and get to that next level. Uh, The person I think is going to (laughs) slump, I hate to hate on this guy, but Laurie Markkinen, I don't understand why he signed to Cleveland. You're, You're playing in a market where... Or not a market. You're playing with a team that has Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. Two guys that, as it stands right now, I think you could build the team around for as that as your future front court. And Laurie Markkinen obviously wants a starting role. If I were Laurie Markkinen, I honestly would have signed with Dallas maybe. Just, just you know, be another white European player in that system. But yeah, I don't know. Obviously, I want Laurie Markkinen to succeed just because, you know, seven foot guy who can stretch the floor everybody loves that everybody wants that on their team but I just don't know if he's going to be a starter this year so because of that I think he's going to have a bigger slump potential trade person uh so this is also just like my pop-off selection I think either Colin Sexton or Darius Garland needs to be traded I would if I were the Cavs though I would trade Colin Sexton just because you have an extra year with rookie contract money with Garland but I think with Colin Sexton Cleveland needs to trade for a bigger guard but who also fits the timeline of their rebuild off the top of my head someone like obviously he's not gonna be traded there but someone who's like Alonzo Ball not necessarily 6'6 but obviously just bigger than 6'1 because we've seen the we've seen the peak of two small guards which is obviously about the western conference finals with the trailblazers that one year where they're both i think they're both 6-3 i could be wrong i know dame's 6-3 but i think just running having your whole future kind of banking on two smaller guards i think isn't necessarily the best plan but yeah i think colin sexton still has the ability to be a star and potentially that might not be in cleveland All right, last but not least for the Central Division, we have Detroit, the people who lucked out crazy on the lottery. Right now, I would consider their core to be Killian Hayes, Cade Cunningham, Jeremy Grant, Sadiq Bey, and Isaiah Stewart. I think just overall, 
even though the Pistons obviously stunk it up this year, they have a really good chance, I think, to not necessarily make the playoffs. I think their ceiling right now would be probably a play-in. But even that, I can't say with certainty just because they are a really, really young team. They literally have a whole starting five of young guys almost. And the person I think is going to pop off Jeremy Grant. I think it's still his team at the moment. Not only that, he's coming off of an Olympic gold medal and went super crazy last year. Was obviously a finalist for most improved player. And I think Jeremy Grant is going to build on top of that. Jeremy Grant, I think, is an overall solid player. Can definitely be a number one option. But obviously, we'll see what happens with Cade. But yeah, Jeremy Grant, going to have a really good season this year. So the person for the slump slash potential trade I picked as the same person, which was Josh Jackson. I think despite him being relatively young, uh, I think Detroit will prioritize the young, young players. Obviously, guys like Sabin Lee, Killian Hayes, Cade Cunningham. I do think they're going to start uh, Killian and Cade together. I think Cade will probably play more of the two, but either way, that'll be your backcourt. And with Josh Jackson, I think... He's somewhat revived his career, obviously still a bit of a bust considering how high he was taken, but him realizing his situation that I think Detroit will go a lot more youth movement except for people like Jeremy Grant and Kelly Olynyk. Josh Jackson might have to get out. I think he's going to have, there's not going to be as many minutes going towards him, and I think he still has a chance to be a big impact on another team. Hopefully, he has a good season regardless because... Uh, I really did enjoy watching him have his bit of a resurgence, and I just hope he continue to build off that. And I think it's worth noting that originally I had Kelly Olynyk on here, but I, then I realized, man, if I take Kelly Olynyk out, this is just some 2K shit. Because I think regardless, uh, if you're a team that's in a complete rebuild, you still do need veterans just because you need guys to guide your younger guys and be able to build them up. And, you know, that's what the Canadian sensation I think he's from Abbotsford's very own Kelly Olenek is there for. But either way, that's going to be the end of uh, the Central Division. Next week, we'll see. I'm not sure what division we're going to do, but I think we're going to stick to the Eastern Conference. And then once we finish up here, then we'll go to the West. Either way, that has been another Bucks and Six podcast issue. I am your host, Danila Jose de Hoya. Appreciate y'all listening in. And yeah, tune in next week. Have a good day. Hope y'all have a lot of blessings. But just remember... It's always been Bucks and Six. Mm-hmm.